Welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin. I'm joined tonight by Pascal. How you doing, Pas? Evening, Gav. And just how you doing, mate? Good, Gav. Well, what a weekend. Um, I've been looking forward to this pod for the last couple of days. Crazy, unbelievable. So much to say about it. But before we get into it, let's start with the Who Am I game. Today, it's a player who played for both the Arsenal and Thursday night's opponent, Sporting. It is an easy one. I know you're both going to get it, but it wasn't that easy to come up with one of these. So here we go. Here's the career path. I started at Sporting, making 67 league appearances. Early on in my career there, I also had a loan spell at Academica, for whom I played 24 times. I moved from Sporting to Southampton, where I made 120 appearances, before going on loan to Inter Milan, where I featured just four times. I moved to Arsenal, played 38 league games before moving on loan to Fulham, where I've so far appeared twice. Who am I? Any ideas, fellas? Don't give me the answer yet, but uh, let me know if you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I figured as much. All right, well, we'll we'll <laughs> get to it at the end anyway. Um, and remember, we're going to be posting this on our social media. Um, on Twitter, we are the NN Pod. Instagram, we are the underscore non underscore negotiables. And our Facebook page, I'll be honest, I've got no idea what the address of the Facebook page is. <laughs> I'm sure you can find us if you want to. Just look us up. Yeah, exactly. You'll get there. So, Paz, let's get the boring bit of the weekend out of the way straight off the bat. Newcastle go at City, lose 2-0. They had a couple of chances, but honestly, they look like a team on the slide. Uh, result was what we expected, even if Newcastle had a few chances early on. Um, we weren't disappointed with that, right? It was pretty much what we expected. It was. Um, I think um, I think with Newcastle, it's uh, as we expected in terms of um, what seems to be now a demise uh, in terms of their league standing and, and results. Uh, I, I don't think any of us thought, well... I don't remember, but I don't think we were ever confident they were going to make top four. I I, I think now it's I, I can't see it happening. Um, it was uh, a game which I only was watching for Arsenal reasons. Never would be interested in uh, the uh, battle of the Petro States, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, it kind of turned out the way. A really pretty boring game, to be honest. Nothing interesting to to take from that game besides an expected City win. Um, underwhelming. I didn't think City were, were anything particularly impressive, to be honest, but I guess they don't need to be. Um, they they got the result, but uh, yeah, nothing surprising at all. Agreed. So with that out of the way, on to the main course. Pass. Um, Jazz, sorry. With uh, the City getting that straightforward routine win over Newcastle, we had to win, really. Um, there was a bit of a surprise in the starting lineup. Partey coming in was kind of expected. Tommy in for Ben White kind of saw that one coming too. But then the shocker, Granite taking a rest of Fabio Vieira coming in. What were your thoughts on that, Jazz? I like it, to be honest. Um, you know, we've spoken a few times that, you know, we we could see uh, preparations being made for that change, and I think uh, opposition opposition, excuse me, like Bournemouth is is kind of the the perfect time to run it out. Um, 
it was obvious we were going to have a lot of the ball uh, and stats back that up. A lot of uh, chances created stats back that up. So I, I, I like to see that change. Now, obviously, the game didn't go quite as I expected, <laughs> but I think the uh, the change did make a lot of sense tactically. I had no complaints with the lineup. Um, I said last week that I was pretty comfortable with whatever lineup he put out there. I had, I was surprised by Vieira playing instead of Shaka, but I had no I had no problem with it. Um, but then, unfortunately, nine seconds into the game, we go behind. Pass. How did that happen? Um, seems just a real lack of concentration. Um, I think you made a point. Um, offline about if Shaka was there, then then that might not have happened. Uh, I just think uh, yeah, it's possible. It's very possible because I know Shaka is far more switched on defensively than um, than Vieira is. But I, it just seemed that we switched off. We we just I, no one was expecting that, and I guess we as a team weren't expecting it either. They were just <laughs> pedestrians just standing there. It was so strange and surreal and. Um, having said that, by the letter of the law, it shouldn't have stood. I know we've been talking about VAR nearly every single, but there was encroachment into our half, I believe, right at the beginning of the game when they took the, um, the centre. Because that, that's our, obviously um, close to the um, the goal was that close to to uh, the, the moment that they kicked off. So. Uh, but nevertheless, we 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 were just asleep. I, it was just it all went silent. It was so so weird. Um, I think I I didn't even see it. Um, I, I was uh, making coffee. You, you you're never expecting nine sec- seconds in at home that Bournemouth are going to take the lead. So I I missed it. It was so quick. Um, but from what I saw, it's just we just totally were ball watching. There were just so many what ifs about that goal it was really odd it needed a perfect set of circumstances to come off if we choose to kick off it doesn't happen if the ref like you said make sure everyone's in their own half it doesn't happen if Xhaka starts he probably cuts out the initial pass to the left hand side it doesn't happen if Vieira moves back a little bit quicker to back up Zinchenko it doesn't happen if Gabriel doesn't lift his foot it doesn't happen if party tracks his man it doesn't happen all that in nine seconds happened. So it was kind of the perfect storm. And it, it's a crazy moment that you really don't see very often. It's the second fastest Premier League goal of all time. It shows you that it's it's a rare occurrence. But just we had 89 minutes and 50, 51 seconds to put it right. So no worries, right? Yeah, I think we've seen a lot this season that, uh, you know, the, the the lads tend to turn it on if we go behind. The crowd also gets behind them. I know this one was this one was pretty odd, kind of like what Paz just hit on. Um, it was so surprising, so shocking, I think, um, you know, it, it felt unreal. Um, but, you know, the quality we have, I was never uh, – I mean, after the initial conceding of the goal, I, I thought, you know, we'll be in great shape. We have plenty of time to turn this around. Yeah, I wasn't. I really was. I was obviously a bit annoyed that the goal had gone in, but I, I really wasn't that concerned about it. Right. So then the game starts to fall into this pattern. We've got all the ball. We're actually taking a lot of shots, but most of them are blocked off. Um, and it only takes, it's in the first five minutes that we 
start that we we have a, a, a decent chance. Partey won it high up the pitch, laid it off. Odegaard shoots, keeper parries it out to Saka, falls on his right foot. Neto got up really quickly um, and got his chest in front of the ball. Pass should Saka have scored, or or do you just have to credit Neto with that one? I would say yes, he should score just purely because he's in such good form and he's been good in front of goal. Um, but I, I do have to give the credit to the goalkeeper on that one because it was great reflexes. Um, I think it, 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 it seemed like Saka kind of snapped at the shot rather than direct it properly towards what would have been the left-hand side. Um, uh, so I think it was more... Um, it, it was, uh, I think if looking back at it, something you would expect him to put in the back of the net, but you can't turn around and say it was an absolute glaring miss um, because I think the goalkeeper did really well in that circumstance. And when that happened, you had this feeling, oh my God, it's going to be one of those days where the goalkeeper's outstanding. It's going to be like this world-class performance. Um, but that, yeah, like you said, it was it was very short, short after the their goal. So... We're sitting there still thinking, hey, we've got loads of time in this one. Yeah, it came back at Saka so quickly and Neto got up mm. so quickly that I think you kind of just have to chalk that one off as one of them things that I agree with you, he probably should have scored, but it's not a howler by any means. So 20 minutes in and Bournemouth show a little bit of danger on the break. Uh, personally, I think it's offside. And if this goes in, I think it's ruled out. But Juz, what a save from Ramsdale at the feet of Otara. Yeah, really was. Um, I agree, though. It, it did look just to just a hint offside, and I don't think it would have stood. But yeah, really impressive, uh, really impressive save there. I think. Yeah, and there's really not much else going on in that first half. A ton of plop shots, a ton of corners, and there's nothing really now before half time. The only thing a note was Trossard's injury on 20 minutes, where he came off and ESR come on, and, and we'll come back to this later because I do think there's another very important consequence of of this substitution and, and when it happened. But he came, ESR comes on, he goes out to the left and Martinelli moves through the middle. And I actually thought that really hindered us. I don't think Martinelli ever looks comfortable through the middle. And ESR was very short of fitness. You could tell every time he moved with a ball that he wasn't quite on it. And these games are important for him to get back there, obviously, because he's not going to get back there without playing. Sounds like the injury to Trossard isn't serious, which he's very thankful, uh, which I'm very thankful for, because the Martinelli in the middle experiment didn't look good, did it, Juz, even if it was a, a small sample size? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, he, he still had some some solid opportunities, and I I, I think the effort was there, but uh, he always looked a bit uncomfortable to me as well. Um, and it looked like the team had a little bit of a, a hard time adjusting to it. Um, and I think that's understandable because that's our third centre forward that we're missing. Yeah, very true. Yeah, of course. And uh, I mean, I don't think it was so bad to where it's not something that like we couldn't try again, you know, maybe with like the days leading up to the game, you know, practicing that exclusively. I think that would make a big difference. But I doubt they were even, you know, prepared for this possibility. You know what I mean? So it just looked very uncomfortable for everybody. And at half time, for the third time in the last couple of months, we saw a sub, Ben White on for Tommy. 
said at the start of the pod, I had no issue with the starting lineup, and I'd have no issue if if Mikel ran that starting lineup out again. But Paz, the the problem was Tommy just had a stinker, right? Really bad. It was probably one of the worst performances I've seen him play. It was, uh, you know, like you said, it's not. It, it is unusual that Arteta will make a substitution at half time. So something's got to be going wrong for him to do that. It just seemed to be going all wrong for him, especially from an attacking front. Um, I think it was towards the end of the um, first half. The cross. I, I, I forget. Yeah, that <laughs> kind of epitomised his day. Exactly. You remembered it, you see. Uh, I don't exactly remember the timing, but I know... It, I, it was I, just before right? half-time. Yeah, it correct. was just and, that was, and he was in a really good position. He was in right a great side. position, and you are thinking at that moment, if only that was Ben White. <laughs> because Ben White, we know when it comes to the attacking front... It's particularly good, especially with the overlaps that he does with Saka. It's not really Tommy's game, but that was atrocious. And I think his just his all-round uh, connection and understanding and chemistry with Saka was just all wrong. Um, so it, it was really um, something I think we had talked about uh, that we could see as the only change at halftime, and it was exactly what he did. And credit to him because it was the right move. Yeah, and there's an argument as well that Tommy is actually more comfortable when he's being given a specific role, right? Like when he was asked yeah. to play against Salah, or if he's against a winger that's particularly gonna gonna force him back. Paz, do you, do you think defensively? Yeah, do you think it's more a case mm. of horses for courses here, where in this situation Ben White was probably just the right man for the task? I think so. I, I also think the circumstances as well. I don't. I don't think any of us were, or as well as the team or the manager, were were thinking would be one down at half time. I, I, I you know, they're games that you look at as a as fans and, and you assume that the manager's looking and you think, well that's probably a good game to rest X, Y, this player and put this player on and, you know, try this one out, or especially with sporting coming up. So you look at the Bournemouth game. That's one of those games. I think I think all it came down to was Tommy was you have nothing wrong with selecting Tommy over Ben White for a particular game. And yes, there are games like the Liverpool game where he's really useful to come in because he has a selected marking job on a particular player. But also, even if that's not the case, you think he could do an adequate job against a team like Bournemouth. Thing was, is that we were one down at half time, And it we weren't really... We, we had a few chances, but we weren't really looking that good on an attacking front either. So... I think it was just a case of that particular moment in that game. We had to make the change. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and we get into the second half and we started okay. Again, more of the ball, more corners, more block shots. And we have our mm. first real sight of goal um, on 53 minutes. Martinelli turns in the box and fires over. Two minutes later, Bournemouth get a corner. It starts with a move down the right hand side and Partey makes a needless foul. He had no need to put his arms out right there. And the guy goes down as soon as he feels the contact. The ball had already run inside and we had the ball, but it's going to be given if you put your arms out like that. So the free kick gets whipped in the box and I think it's actually Partey's head that it comes off and goes out for the corner. By this point, by the stats, we'd had 10 corners. I thought it was closer to 50 by that point. <laughs> but the stats say we'd had mm. 10. We hadn't yeah. caused a problem from any of them. This is their first corner in the box. 
It's your bog-standard right-footed delivery to the edge of the six-yard box. Partey completely loses Mepham. Mepham wanders in, six yards out, just nods it in at the near post. Just at that point, we've got, what, 55 minutes gone. You still believing or are you thinking that's it, we're toast? At this point, I was thinking maybe we were in a little bit of trouble. Um, Coming down from one, coming back from one isn't so bad, but two especially, you know, knowing that we have uncomfortable Martinelli up top and, you know, lacking uh, Trossard, who's been so good, and and, and, and Kedia as well. I'm starting to wonder where the goals are going to come from. Um, it's kind of odd, too, because I think uh, Partey, he, he had kind of a questionable game defensively. Um, you know, if you think about it, a couple a couple giveaways, but it seems like he could have done better on um, on both goals. And, uh, you know, of course, we talked about the first one already, and a lot of people could have done better on that one. But it, it just, I believe it was his man both times that, that conceded. And that's that's unlike him, you know. Well, it was a strange performance because he, he was actually, he actually had a really good game and a couple of bad moments. Yeah, that's a good way to say you it. You know, yeah. giving the free kick away was was really bad. The first goal, obviously, letting his man run off him was really bad. Letting Mepham run off him was ridiculously bad. And mm-hmm. even the defending that gave away the corner from the free kick wasn't particularly great. But every time we went forward, and you're going to see it as we talk more, every chance we had, he's at the heart of it. It, it yeah. was a strange, it was just a strange performance in what was kind of a strange game and unwilling to just put it aside in that in that little box. But you, you are right. It was a very, very... It was a very up and down performance for him. But on the ball, I thought he was he was absolutely superb. But defensively, he just he just didn't look switched on there. Yeah. When, when that went in, my feeling, rather than being one of doom, was was just have we got enough time? I, I'm just looking at the clock and thinking, have we got enough time to to get into it? My, my brother actually texted me as that goal went in, um, or just after it went in, and said, "We're going to win this. We've just got to stop being shit." <laughs> I mean, you can't argue with that analysis, can you? I mean, it's I just texting back. Yeah, I mean, what I love the simplicity of that. Yeah, yeah, that was it. There was no no worrying about getting the ball out wide or bringing someone else. Just stop being shit. I, I, well played, Rick. I think he I think he nailed it. To be quite honest with you. <laughs> so five minutes later, after that, we have another corner. Neto punches it straight in the air. ESR heads it, and there's your man party at the yep. back post to knock it in. Pass, you kind of felt the belief in just just soaking to everybody, didn't you, when that hit the net? It was one of those um, circumstances where you, you hate to be cliches, but this just needs a goal. We just need a goal. It was one of those where you're looking at that goal by Bournemouth and you're not seeing exactly how we're going to score that goal. But kind of, um, it did make sense. It was kind of a bit of a scrappy goal, to be honest. It was, I think it was Smith Rowe's header and then it went over and then party came in. Um, but we just needed a goal, whatever way. And that was exactly that type of goal that kind of then gets the crowd going. We then get energized. There's belief, you know, all of those, all of those aspects. Um, but it, at the point that we score, we suddenly, the time looked like we did have enough time. It's funny because the second ball with goal, you look at it and you think, do we have enough time? But then once we scored that goal, you think, yeah, we damn right. We have enough time. Cause I think <laughs> it was in, in what was it? The 60th, I think it was um, the 58th minute, I think. Fi- 58th minute. So it wasn't long after Bournemouth's goal. 
you're looking at that right. We've got 30 minutes to get a goal. So, uh, well, not just one, but two. Um, yeah, it was perfect. It was kind of funny that it was Partey, so um, who wasn't very switched on defensively, but definitely was from an attacking uh, front. So, um, yeah, it kind of made up for those lapses of concentration before. And after the goal went in, Neto finally went into the book, but it wasn't for time-wasting. It was for arguing with a ref. Pass yeah. clearly, he wasn't fouled. Ben White wasn't anywhere near him. But him moaning and complaining, is that a direct result of the disallowed goal against Leicester, where they get that soft free kick from VAR when Ben White's kind of held the goalkeeper's hand? Is Neto just looking for that because that happened last week and he's thinking maybe I can buy a foul? Of course he is. It's uh, It was... It was only because of an angle, specific angle, that the Ben White goal was ruled out. But even that alone is questionable because you wonder can the goalkeeper could easily have moved its hand, moved his hands. Um, in this case, there was like nothing. There was not an ounce of contact or anything. It was just him. Um, but of course, yeah, they they look at these things. They they know that they're ultra protect, protected, um, and um, anything that they can get. It's the same with the time-wasting, isn't it? We've been talking about this for a long time now, but the time-wasting is another one, the amount of time he was doing that uh, throughout the game because they know they can do it. They know the refs are turning a blind eye to these particular issues. And if they do take some form of initiative with the time-wasting, it's quite late on in the game, so it's kind of irrelevant. Um, so, And I, I don't know uh, if anyone can correct me. I would love to know even people outside of this um, who could comment on this? I can't remember a goalkeeper being sent off for a second yellow for time wasting. I, I don't know. Has that ever happened? Because he started time waste after that yellow as well. And even the commentators were saying that would be harsh if they sent him off for time wasting. I don't know if that's ever happened. I know for a first yellow, have we ever had a second yellow where they get sent off for it? I don't know. But absolutely, it, these goalkeepers are seeing this every week and they know they know the best way to try and get some form of sympathy when a, a goal like that is scored. That's a good point. I, I have never seen it a goalkeeper sent off for that. And it will be interesting the first time it happens, if it happens, to see if it stops everyone else. I'm a big, big proponent mm. of booking a goalkeeper early for this, if you see him doing yeah. it. Neto started doing it before the five-minute mark. That's mm. probably the earliest I've seen a goalkeeper do it. Edison was pretty early Man City, and, and Pope is terrible for it with Newcastle. But this was was really early, and and if you get that free kick, early, uh, the yellow card early, it's got to at least make them think. And like you said, if they actually went through with it and sent someone off, it might change the way they the way they're doing this because something has got to give. The the game, every invention except VAR, in the last forty years, has been to speed up the game. VAR yeah. has slowed the game down. Now you've got goalkeepers slowing it down even more. And I think something has to be done about it. And it's not the time the ball's out of play. People talking about a stop clock. That's not what it is. It's goalkeepers taking 15 seconds every time to release the ball. That's where the problem is. Mm. That's where the time's being wasted away. That ball is technically in play, but there's nothing you can mm. do about it. So we'll see if there's anything done about that. The rules are there. Just enforce them. But back mm. to the game. And there's another big moment now right after this goal. Um, and it's ESR coming off and Reese Nelson coming on. 
I don't think without the Trossard injury, we see Reese Nelson in this game. I think once ESR comes on, it's already pre-planned in his mind that Reese is coming on after 65 minutes or whatever it was. I think it was absolutely a planned substitution the minute ESR stepped on the pitch because he clearly wasn't capable of doing any more time than that. Just do you did you see it that way? Yeah, I'd say that is the case. Um, you know, obviously Smith Rowe's minutes were going to be limited. This is this is the most we've seen him play. I believe this is the most he's played all season, isn't it? I don't think he's uh, he's done too much more time than this. Um, no. And then you know, just just looking at the uh, the bench for attacking options, uh, you know, we're a little thin with with uh, a few of our attacking injuries. So. I would absolutely say once ESR came in, it was always going to be part of the plan to have have Nelson replace him at some point. <clears throat> yeah, and it was an immediate impact. We had some great work by Partey again, wriggling around on the edge of the box. He found Nelson. Nelson cuts the ball back on his right foot. Great ball across, and there's Ben White steaming in to bang it in at the far post. Just it's game on at that point. It is, yeah, great moment. And I think uh, you know we all we all loved it. Uh, Reese getting in, in involved like that, you know, s- straight away. Um, but yeah, what a game! What a you know, definitely game on now. Yeah, and it's you know what follows and a great more... finish. Oh, great it's a finish by Ben White. Definitely really over the good. line. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it's a, not an easy one to put away. You no. really hit that well, and on the you on know the it, was, it was fantastically taken. Yeah, on the volley, beautiful goal. Yeah, for sure. And you know, like I said, we're pushing forward and pushing forward, and and you know that it's becoming a bit enthralling because my wife put her phone down and started watching. And I, I don't think that's I don't think that's I don't think that's ever happened before. So we get to ninety minutes, the ball goes up, it's it's six minutes, Arteta's asking for seven. I was asking for ten. Um I think when you had all them goals, all them subs, the time wasting, there was a lot of time there. To me, six was low. Regardless, just did you think the winner was gonna come at that point when that ball went up? Because I, I was still feeling that we were gonna win it at that point when that injury time ball went up with six minutes. Yeah, I think uh, I think the the momentum was firmly, you know, on our side at that point. Um, you know, I still kind of had some question marks about where I thought it was going to uh, come from. You know, Saka has been the one that's kind of been coming up clutch for us. But I'll, I'll tell you, I, I didn't expect it coming from Reese. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, and and of course, as soon as the as soon as the board went up, there we are with a time wasting again. I think was it was it Mepham who lays on the floor and Nato's got the ball in his hands and he's pretending like he's going to kick it out, but he don't want to kick it out because he wants as much time to elapse as possible before the ref blows the whistle. Eventually, the ref blows. Ref blows. Guys down on the floor. Neto kicks the ball away, but of course he's dead now, so it don't matter. They take another forty-five seconds, I guess. He gets up and runs off. He doesn't even get treated. He just gets up and runs off. So now we've got another minute going on well the ball's now at 95 minutes and it was Odegaard who wriggled away and fired a shot in that gets blocked it comes out to the edge of the box and Partey almost makes a tackle at the edge like 35 yards out and the ball spurns off and goes behind at that point you're thinking man this is two drop points this isn't good even I'd lost my belief at, at that point and it's it was one of them things where we went, they took a goal kick and we went forward again. And Zinchenko did some really great work down the left hand side and he fired in that cross and it took a deflection and it could have gone anywhere. 
and it goes behind. So now we're at 90 minutes and seven minutes added on. The corner comes in, it gets headed out, it falls to Reese on the edge of the box, pass, take it away. <laughs> yeah, this control, he controlled it and then he still has a lot to do, doesn't he? I mean, he's got all these, he's got the defenders right in front of him and it was such a clean hit. No, def- it didn't take any deflection. It didn't, you know, take some, um, it wasn't skewed. It was a beautiful hit. And in fact, he did a shot similar to that a little bit earlier on in the game. I think, you know, actually five minutes or so before that. But this one was just so cleanly hit. And it was, um, I think there's moments that we've had the Jorginho, the Martinez own goal and, you know, which have just been incredible last minute. But this really topped it off. It was just an amazing moment and no better person to score it as well, because I think even all of us have always said we've always liked Reese. It's it's never been anything about him, particularly his injuries has just been a real problem and never getting a run of games. But for someone like him to score that goal, um, and you could see even by the player's reaction how popular he is as a player, but it was just beautiful. It was one of those things that you dream of and you just see it in your eyes. And you then you turn around and say, I love this game because it was, um, I, 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 I had actually just text my dad on that corner kick and said to him, oh yeah, you know, we, we did well to come back, but that's two points dropped. And at that very moment, he scores that goal. It was, um, yeah, you, 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 it's difficult to describe it in words, to be honest, because it's a feeling when you're, when you watch that or if you're in the if you're in the stadium but it was just absolutely amazing and there was unbelievable scenes as well i've watched the uh, i've watched about 100 compilation videos from yeah. the angle in the ground <laughs> on that and you know what strikes me the most about it though is that the ground was full we were 98 minutes into a home yeah. game with bournemouth where we're not winning and everybody stayed just again the fans the atmosphere the emotion how do you even put that into words it's really incredible. I mean, you can see something something special is is truly happening this season. I think it's a, a culmination of many things, but I mean, you, you can't. I mean, all I can really say is how incredible it was and, and how, how magical it probably was to be there, you know? Yeah, it's... It's also another last-minute goal. Another one. Yeah, yep. another one. Best. Another one. It's it's crazy, and it just shows, I think, the, the the strength of this team. But there's something I do want to discuss, and you'll, you'll notice we've pointedly stayed away from it until this point. And this is the VAR again. <laughs> is so, it a basketball? So there are five <laughs> instances of VAR. So let's go through them. And all I want is for you guys to answer me yes or no. That's it, mm. right? When the ball drops out of the sky and hits Billy on the top of the arm in the penalty box, for you, is that a penalty? Pascal, yes or no? Is this the, the one where he kind of juggles it? Yeah, no, he has his arm arms out in front of him and it hits him on the top almost where the Premier League badge is. That was a yes. Jazz? Man, I... Yes I or don't no? Know. That... <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, that's not the ju- that's not the one. Nope. Where it's, uh, it's that the one. Okay, no, no, that's that a no. That's a no. Sorry, that's a no bad. from you. Okay, just yeah, that's a no. That's I'm, a no. I'm, I'm leaning towards no as well. Okay, that's that one is a yes from me. What about the Tomiyasu foul? Yes or no? Pass. Uh, I'd say yes. 
I say John? yes, actually. He gets the ball first. Just can you give me just a tiny bit of context? I'm I'm having trouble remembering. We saw it today in the Fulham cross, game. Cross came uh, in at the Brentford. back post, and the defender comes through the back, and he hits the deck. And I don't even know if we saw a replay of it. It wasn't on the extended highlights. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, no, it wasn't. Uh, I think I remember this one, and yeah, I I don't. Yeah, I would say yes. I don't know if I've seen enough of it, to be honest with you. I don't know if I've seen a good enough angle because it's not on any of them. Odegaard shot where the guy had his back turned. Yes or no? Pass. No. Jazz? No. No, it's a no from me too. The juggly one on the back post, Gabriel's header and Billing kind of gets his left hand, right hand onto it. Pass? Uh, so can you repeat that again? Sorry. The back out. post one where... Gabriel gets his head on it and Billy. Oh, was this when he's right close to the goal? Yeah. yeah. I, I think because of his proximity to the goal, I, I took that as a penalty. Because I think, I think you're stopping well. yeah, a ball heading too. towards the goal. There was also a foot up there as well. If you watch the replay again, his foot is up by Gabriel's head. So you've got a yeah, couple of things. I, I took that as a penalty. So that's five of them there. You're either 2-3 two, three or 3-2, three, whichever way you want to look at it. But have you ever seen five VAR checks, five instances worthy of going to VAR and not one given? Pass. Have you ever seen that before? No, but it, but it's us. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of now becoming a regular thing. <laughs> I've 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 just given up on on anything these guys do anymore. I, well, I, I, I've not seen it. No, I've not, and I've not seen the amount of handballs in a game. So many handballs in a game, and and some of them pretty clear. Yeah, um, no. I've but that's why I didn't that. really want to go into it as we were as we were going through because I just thought you needed to look at all five of them together to get the context of it where you've you've mm. got all those and all of them go against you. But anyway, let's come back to the second half and uh, we might dig a little bit more into this before we go on, just because there's so much to go through. So uh, we'll see you all in the second half, everybody. Sounds good. Welcome back to the non-negotiable podcast. Pass in the break, you mentioned the one that I missed out, um, which was the handball from Saka's cross where the defender moved his arm towards it in like a chicken wing fashion. I'm going to assume that we all agree that that was 100% a penalty, right? Stonewall. I, I, that one was shocking. I, 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 isn't it supposed to be in an unnatural position? I, I don't know a position that's like that. Uh, it, it, for me, and it was from distance. The arm is well out uh, outside of. Well, he um, pushed his body. it. Out. He put his, his arm wasn't there, and when the cross was coming, yes. he pushed his arm out towards the ball. Yeah, it was. I, I just don't. Uh, I'm so exasperated with these people. That for me was the that was the clearest penalty for me of the handballs for sure, or even probably of them all. Yeah, it was it it, it was baffling. It wasn't given. But just let me let me read you some some stats here. So <laughs> we had 81 possession to 19 percent. We had 30 shots to 4 percent. We had 662 completed passes to 109. We had a 92.1% field tilt. We had 109 final third entries to 16. If you looked at them stats and I didn't tell you to score, what would you think the score was? Yeah, it would probably be uh, something similar to the Liverpool United game, I'd imagine. It was just insane. And it... 
but I don't know that it ever felt like that because we we weren't. I mean, I think out of them thirty chances, I'm going to guess probably at least fifteen of them were blocked, maybe even twenty. And because of that, you don't really get the full scope when you're watching the game. And there's a lot of people now, oh, well, how did you get, you were so lucky the referee added extra time on. Man, if the referee was desperate for us to win, he could have just given one of them penalties, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> we we had enough chance. But, that I mean, it shows you that we, we absolutely deserve to win this game. But it definitely didn't feel convincing, did it, Jazz? No, it didn't. Uh, it, even just watching the the highlights, just so everything was fresh in my mind, I didn't even really feel like we we. It, it never felt like we dominated that much, you know. <clears throat> yeah, and like, I don't, I don't know ahead. why, because we were in their final third the whole time. It was a little bit reminiscent of the first half against. Well, not maybe not the first half against, maybe more the Leicester game, where we were just in their half constantly, and it just wasn't. You know, it just didn't. It just didn't come. But it, at least this. At least we did get the goal because we we absolutely deserved it. But I just thought it was worth bringing them stats up because it really was a much more dominant performance than than it seemed like. But one thing that is a bit worrying is since the World Cup break. I don't know if any of you saw this on on Twitter. There was a, a stat going around before the break. We were giving up one point zero four big chances per game. Since we come back, it's 2.1%. That is a big jump since we come back. And I don't know if you saw the Gary Neville thing on Sky with Jamie Carragher, where James McNicholas was on it and Robbie from AFTV. And mm. there was a little interview. And Gary Neville, who's obviously a prick, <laughs> but he, he made a good point on there where he said, when you get into these runnings, when a team is getting into this running and they start conceding goals, there's a problem. He said, as a player, you know and you feel it. And there's a lot of the time I don't listen to pundits who are ex-footballers because I don't think they really understand what they're watching. They were uh, you know, they were incredibly talented in one position and that's how they played their career. I, I, I don't see why that gives them carte blanche to talk about the entire game. But Gary Neville was a multiple title winner as part of a back line. And I do think he's got a point here. Pass, are you a little bit worried that we are looking a little bit leaky as we get into this running? Slightly worried, yeah. I do. I think we have um, uh, dropped the ball slightly when it comes to defensive responsibilities. Uh, you, um, you know, I'm not just picking out individual players. I think Gabriel's been pretty good. I think Saliba has not been the same since uh, before the World Cup. Um, obviously, we uh, Ben White has had a few iffy moments as well. Um, I mean, it was so iffy that he was dropped, I think, for uh, for one of the games. Um, and uh, we all know with Zinchenko, he is more of that, you know, he's not known so well for his defensive responsibilities. He's a roaming playmaker his, makes the odd He's a roaming playmaker, exactly. Oh. So, um, I yes, if you think of the last few games, especially besides Leicester and Everton, um, you uh, you know the amount of goals we conceded two at Villa. Um, we conceded two against United at home. Uh, conceded three against City, and then we conceded two against Bournemouth. So yes, that is that is a concern. But um, I don't think it's something that we can't work on, and I don't think it's something that we can't improve on. And I'm sure that's something that um, the management is trying to to sort out. It is worrying. 
At the same time, I'm sure, you know, Garen Neville will have to admit as well, it also takes a lot. A championship winning team is a team that can come back. Um, and we've been doing that um, very well. And he should know that playing in those Man United teams, which used to do, I mean, Fergie time was invented um, because of their last minute winners and uh, scraping through games. And uh, so I think if you want to try and put a positive spin on it, we are showing that side, um, which I feel is is probably outweighing perhaps the defensive frailties. But it's, it is a concern. Yeah, you don't have these moments like this one, like Eddie against United, like the Jorginho one at Villa. You don't have these moments if you aren't a little bit leaky. And to be quite honest with you, yeah. it's playing into the emotion of this season, which is you've got this connection with the fans, which I think is unlike it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And I think it's unlike, I mean, I, I'm not saying that this never happened anywhere else before, but I, I haven't seen a connection like this, a group of fans that are so together with a team, both in the stadium and out of the stadium as well. It's added to by the fact we've got that sense of injustice with all these VAR's decisions. It's also added to because that anti-Arsenal feeling is back from people like Gary Neville, other fans all wanting City to win the title. I mean, we're loving it all. Just these, it's just so emotional and almost draining, isn't it? I, I needed a nap after that game. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, you know, we've left it late a few times now, as you mentioned. Um, and I think it just makes it, uh, you know, the emotions and, and, and everything, the, the, the drama is, is so much heavier when, you know, when you're, when you're winning on late goals and, and whatnot. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, at least it's a good show, you know. That's the only thing I can imagine is maybe tactically, Mikel is just telling the guys, you know, let's fall behind for a more dramatic victory. You know what I mean? Well, it's working if that's the plan. <laughs> that's for sure. But I, I just, I think at this point, even if we don't win a title, and I am desperate for us to win a title, I really am. I really want this title at this point. But even if we don't, this is a season that I'm never going to forget. It's been an absolutely fantastic season. I love this team. I think there's more to come anyway. But even if we don't win this season, win this title, pass, it's been one of the most amazing seasons, hasn't it, so far? Yeah, I have to 100% agree with you. I think, um, you know, us two obviously go back quite a few years uh, watching Arsenal teams. Um, and uh, I, I can't, uh, I mean, besides the championship winning ones, um, I can't think of any season outside of those that comes close to this. I, I know many will say the 2007, 2008. I know you have your opinions on that because there were certain players that you were not fond of in that team. Um, I just think this is a class above that. Um, I think also what speaks out to me about this particular team is uh, the hail end aspect of it. There's a core um, to this Arsenal team that I guess, you know, no matter which way you look at it, but there are a lot of people obviously that can, that that identify with that that aspect of it but also just not even just that it's also every you look at teams and i i i know i'm going to sound biased but i say this again about liverpool i i i don't have if i look at that liverpool team there's no one i really dislike in that liverpool team um when i look at those players not necessarily uh, me, I was going to say, uh, that's why I said that, because I knew you'd comment on Mane, but, <laughs> but he's not there right now. So, um, but, um, but you look at that Liverpool team, they're, they're likeable guys. I, I don't look at them and think, uh, you know, the, even the manager, I know you can go either way, but I, 
I don't dislike any of those particular players. They're not cunts. You know, you look at that Man United team yesterday. I mean, you could, uh, there's probably two or three that you can pick out that you think, okay, I don't mind them. But all the rest, I mean, look how awful just watching that. And you look at someone like Saka and then you look at Anthony and you think, so thank God we have Saka. Thank God we didn't pay 80 million for that. Um, and then you look at Fernandez, and then to even now, and you you said to your credit, Gav, you said this beginning of the season. So, you know, I'm going to give you all the props of that, but the Odegaard Fernandez comparison can stop now. It can stop right this minute. Anyone who tells me and puts Fernandez in the same sentence as Odegaard is, is an absolute moron, in my opinion, and is just a Gary Neville, because there is nothing that you, there's nothing that Odegaard, that Fernandez offers that surpasses what Odegaard does but you just look at that and you look at this team and you can identify with these guys they're all you know Granit Xhaka the redemption of Granit Xhaka alone is a book um so it's a really really it's a wonderful moment for us as Arsenal fans it's one that I know other pundits uh asked from the Arsenal end have said we should embrace I know Ian Wright talks about all the time We've got to embrace this moment because it's it's just a really precious moment to watch, to watch these players really united, watch the fans behind them, watch them identify with the fans and vice versa. It's amazing. And um, I, I absolutely, I, I can't think of a team that comes close to this team other than our championship winning teams that, that I felt so, such a bond with them. And uh, long may it continue. Um, I, 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 I absolutely, I, 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 and I think even the neutrals, honestly, even those that are partial to another team, look at our team and think, you know what? There's no one there that you can dislike. Not one player, really. There isn't. They're all hardworking. They work for the team. They're defensive-minded. They're attacking-minded. They do everything. They go out on that field and give us exactly what we want, win or lose. Yeah, I went to... Every home game from October onwards in 1988-89. I was a season ticket holder for 1991. I was a season ticket holder for 97-98. I was a season ticket holder for 01-02. And I went to basically every away game that year as well. I was a season ticket holder for 03-04. And I don't think there is a team amongst them that I have loved as much as this team. I really don't. 07-08, I never really fell in love with. There were... Like you said, there were players there that I, I just didn't. I just didn't. You loved Haleb, right? Haleb was oh, a big God, fan I of yours. Haleb, I, I, Flamini, I, I, and well, Flamini. I never liked Flamini, but a big part of it was because I loved Gilberto, and I, I still yeah. to this day will tell you that had Arsene Wenger done what he should have done and made Gilberto captain at the start of that season after on after Henri left, if he'd have made Gilberto captain and played him the whole time, would have won that title. I'm telling you that now, 100%, no doubt in my mind. If Gilberto would have been the captain of that team and not Gallas, and we'd have been playing Gilberto instead of Flamini, we would have won that title that year. But anyway, we're getting off track because that's in the past. Mm. But this this Mm -hmm. team, my point is that this team, I feel stronger about this team than I think I have any of the others since maybe the 1991 season. Because I was, you know, I was 11 in 1991. I was 10, 11. Um, and that's when you're really starting to fall in love with the games. You know what I mean? The, the eight, yeah. 89, I was just, my granddad had just got permission from my mum for me to be able to go. I was eight turning nine and I was just 
starting to go. I mean, I still loved it, but I, I was just starting to really get into it. And by the time 1991 came around, I was immersed. But I just, I just, this team is just, there's just something special about it. And I, I really wish that I could have gone back for a few games this season, actually. Um, it's not going to happen now, but next season, I'm definitely going to make it back for a few. Getting a ticket is probably difficult, but I've got a few mates who can probably hook that up, fortunately. But it's, yeah, um, yeah it's a, it's definitely, it's definitely an amazing atmosphere there right now. And I'm, I'm definitely, definitely missing it. Well, let's move past that part of the weekend and we'll have a, another quick laugh at Tottenham if we if we can, because they lost again. You've got to do uh, United as well, mate. Time, come we'll, on. we'll come to that pass. Don't, don't worry, we're getting there. We're getting there. This, is, this is the dessert wine before we get into the, uh, before we get into the mud slide. And Gary Neville. That, that volcano chocolate cake with that rich ice cream. We're getting there. Oh, yes. Getting there. This is the dessert wine to cleanse the palate. So... Spurs losing at Wolves, that was uh, incredibly hilarious. Moves us closer <laughs> to Tottering's Day, which which looks like it might happen in April this year, which is which is quite handy because we ain't had one for a while. Um, then we come on to one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen, which is Liverpool 7, Man United 0. <laughs> um, the title challenges, it's a blow to their title hopes, Jazz, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. Um... <clears throat> Man, I, I mean, I don't even know where to start with them. I, I, I did watch this one, and I'm, I'm glad I did. Uh, but they just looked uh, just a mess all over the place. Um, I, I just I don't see how anybody could, you know, look at them and, and, and think they were title challengers. You know, I uh, we've all talked about this offline, and I, I know, uh, you know, you've been pretty adamant. They're, they're not challengers at all. I was starting to feel a, a, a little nervous only because they kept winning. They kept picking up three points. They kept picking up three points, but you know, it's, I mean, they're, they're a mess. They're nowhere even like comparable to us in, in, in the, the grand scheme of their project. And uh, I'm, I'm glad Liverpool was able to, to, to put them in their place and, you know, help them remember, you know, about where they should be. I wasn't expecting seven nil and I'm not going to pretend I was. But to me, that Liverpool team are far superior to that Manchester United team. I, I honestly don't think it's close. I think Liverpool are a better team than they've shown this season. And I think Man U are a worse team than their results have looked this season. And that stuff eventually regresses back to the mean. And they really got taken apart. But in that second half, past the attitude of those United players, and this ain't a United podcast, so I don't want to get too deep into that shit, but the attitude of people like Martinez and like Fernandez, how much does that make you love our side even more watching the way they yeah. behaved? Well, you know, we don't want to talk about it too much, but we can absolutely revel in it because it's, um, you know, there's, uh, when you, I, I think I, I've mentioned it a few times just actually just before, but it, it, 100%, you look at your own team and you compare these players that cost an absolute fortune. Um, anyone that turns around and tells me that, uh, you know, Glazers out uh, because they've uh, taken dividends out. I mean, the amount of money they pumped into that club and the amount of 
useless signings they've made is is beyond belief. We've signed Trossard for a quarter of what Anthony costs, and he's already had a bigger impact than Anthony. So don't tell me that this team doesn't spend money. That they spend money and they they absolutely waste it as well. So it's beautiful to see. But just looking at, I mean, Fernandez, I've, I've never liked him. He's one of the most, probably the most punchable face in in football. Um, but you, you, that's your captain. <laughs> that's your captain that lets an 18-year-old go past him and just stop running. He just stopped running. He just after let him missing, run. He, after missing him with a kick, tried to kick him first. After kicking him, then push the linesman. Yep. Uh, push the uh, assistant referee, but nothing done. Usual United uh, favoritism, as we see. Um, and um, you know he was, of course, the usual dive and play acting that was a given. Then you had Anthony. I don't know what I, you, you make some good points about Anthony. I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think so. But it, it does give me kind of Mudrick signs where he's raw. And the Premier League is unforgiving. You you might be able to get away with these little tricks and turnarounds in the Dutch League. But when the chips are down, you really see how he lacks mentality. I think they made some great analysis of, of his tracking defensively on match of the day. And he was just all at sea. He was uh, he, he didn't know where to track the, the, the running players. Robertson was just having a field day. Um, but just in general, you see a real that, that I think the, the chickens came home to roost with that team. And I, I called it a, a humbling of epic proportions because that's how it was. We've got a lot of bullshit that we've been listening to for the last two months about how they're in the child race. And, you know, they're media dialogue, darlings. Aren't they? They were, they were going to win a quadruple quadruple uh, borderline best team in the world. And don't uh, the, forget how whenever Casemiro plays, they're nailed on to win because he's the best player that's ever lived. Oh, he he really is. And 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 this is and obviously we're in chats with Man United fans, you know, got some great, relatively impartial ones, but there's some overly partial ones who take this stance that they can't do anything wrong. But that was what they needed. They needed that an absolute whipping up the backside to show no, you're not that great. There are a lot of flaws to you. I think Ten Hag has done a relatively decent job to get them to where they are. But you can see there's a lot of problems with that team. That's that's a gut job. And that's including the players that they bought this year. So that just tells you how much of a job he's got on his hands. Because I, I, I do think he's a good manager, but I think he screwed up on those signings. There's no coincidence that only we were in for Martinez, but we wanted him on the left. Thank God we didn't do that. But we want him on the left for a reason. And no one was in for Anthony. Um, so, and Veghorst, I mean, you know, I'm half Dutch. So I, 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 whenever he plays for Holland, yeah, he scored those two goals against Argentina, but he's just, that guy is just ruins everything for me whenever he comes on the field. I'm like, oh, it's Peter Crouch on steroids. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that, that sums it up, actually. But just Liverpool look, <laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool look pretty good, though, don't they? I mean, I'm glad they lost their games early on. And they're not in there because I do think that they could be a threat to us. I think they're on a downswing and I don't think they're as good as they were. But I do think they're closer to us than than United are in, in actual terms, not necessarily in points terms. So, but they're, they're obviously, they're too far back. But do you think now they're going to get that fourth spot in front of Spurs, Just Well, I'd love to see that. Um, I think quality-wise... <laughs> 
that's exactly where they deserve to be. I think they they had a little bit of a, a rough go in, in the, you know, first half of the season. And um, you can understand it, you know, being in, um, you know, what I think three now in a row, really close high 90s, um, you know, title contending teams with uh, with City. Of, of course, it's going to be, uh, you know, tiring and and I, I think they've been a little slow to refresh the squad, especially in midfield. And uh, I think it was only a matter of time before that did start to show. But quality-wise, I still think they're one of the best teams in the, in the Prem. And um, and I I think uh, if this was, uh, you know, like a homecoming party, you know, to, to announce they finally arrived, they're a little late. But I, I you know, I, I think they could still do some damage this season. And I'd love to see them finish ahead of Spurs, of course. Well, and they're going to have a big say in this title too, because in two weeks' time, they play Man City. And then, obviously, in a month's time, we go there. Yep. That's a that's yeah. a scary prospect just with the way they're playing at the minute. Yeah, it is. I mean, Anfield's always a, a, a very scary place to play. And, <laughs> I mean, they looked, they looked um, very dangerous yesterday. Um, so, you know, it's a little, little scary. They're, they're starting to peak when they are. Um, I still believe in us, though. You know, the Anfield thing, though, makes me a little nervous. Yeah, well, hopefully if they can get something from City, it kind of kind of gives us a little bit more of a free shot there if they can take something off City in a couple of weeks' time. So let's let's hope they can let's hope they can do that. Right, on to Thursday night, on to sporting pass. Mm-hmm. What do you think we're gonna see in terms of rotation? Uh I think Jorginho comes in. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a massive amount. Um, I think Shaka plays. I don't think he's going to start Vieira because on on that note, I think we talked about. I thought Vieira would. I don't think he was awful, but I think he just looks very fragile on the ball. Um, See, I actually one, think one thing he sh- might start Vieira, but I think he might start. You think so? Vieira. Well, I think he might start him alongside Shaka. Mm. And rest Odegaard. Uh, that's possible. That's actually a good point. Yeah. Um, unless he feels confident Smith Rowe can play in that. I, I just Odegaard don't see role, that. But I, I don't think don't he's that. ready. No. Yeah. Um, Nelson might start. Um, I, I would commend it. Uh, why not? He played. He did an amazing cameo. And uh, um, I would give him a shot. Um, Trossard obviously won't be playing. I think. I don't think. I think you're right. I think. I don't think Smith Rowe starts then. So you'd probably have Martinelli. Um Ah, but then up front, yeah, I just realised. Would I, I think would what would we would do? Uh, was, it's going to have to be Nelson's on... through the middle. It's going to have to be Reese Nelson on one side, and then and Saka. You know, you know he's going to start Saka. <laughs> you know he's going to yeah, do it. yeah, yeah. And I don't think he's going to uh, make drastic changes. Uh, he just won't do that. And you're playing away first. You don't want to be putting yourself in a bit of difficult position playing catch up at the Emirates. So. I would think maybe Kivior, maybe, but I haven't seen him come on at all, or I don't know if they'll feel confident enough. Um, Tommy Asu probably will start, I think, even though he didn't um, impress, but I think he might start him just more for defensive side of things. And then Kirantini has played, I think, in the all of our Europa games, so... I wouldn't be shocked to see him, even though it does go contrary to the system. He doesn't have that inverted uh, fullback. But I think the important thing is just trying to get a draw there and uh, and then, you know, probably uh, 
take them to the sword at the Emirates. Yeah, just Pass made a point about Kivior there. Um, I'd like to see him, but I personally don't think it's going to happen on Thursday. Uh, not not that we won't see him at all, but I don't think we're going to see him from the start. What What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think um, we'll be a lot more likely to see them at the uh, the home leg um, than the away leg. I think that'd be a um, a pretty a pretty tough position to throw them in. Um, but you know, I guess it just depends on on how serious that uh, that I mean, are we are we really going to go all out for this Europa League? I really don't know anymore. I mean, obviously the title is going to be first priority. Um, but Arteta just strikes me as the kind of guy, he's not going to throw it away. You know what I mean? Yeah, I also think it's very early to be making a decision like that. Yeah. We're, we're only, you know, we're only at the start of March. We're not at the end of at the end of April. It's not a case, and, and this is the point that everyone seems to miss. It's not a case of, well, give the Europa League away and we'll win the league. That's not how life works. We don't get to choose that swap. We could piss this chance away in the Europa League and end up finishing second in the league anyway. So I think you've got a. I think you've got to go for it. You you know I wasn't particularly happy that we that we picked the team we did in the FA Cup. I thought we should have gone stronger in that. So I definitely I definitely think he will go strong tomorrow night. I don't think it's going to be as strong perhaps as it would have been a couple of months ago because he just seems to have found a little bit more a little bit more faith off in, in the players on the bench. And I, I don't know if that's a needs must scenario or if it's just, you know, if he if he actually does have more faith. I, I'm I'm with you pass. I do think we'll see Tierney because I don't think he's going to want to put another 90 in Zinchenko's legs. So I do think we'll see Tierney. I think Tommy Ass will stay in. I I think we may see Saliba and Gabriel. I I think he might just keep that partnership together. I think Matt Turner will play. And then, like I said, in, in midfield, I think you're going to see Jorginho, Xhaka with Vieira because I don't think he's going to want to put another 90 into Odegaard's legs either. And then I think you're going to see Saka, Nelson and Martinelli. But I, I do expect to see I do expect to see all of the subs used and I do expect to see a couple of them coming on at the half-hour mark. What, what's the... Hour mark, sorry, half an hour to go. What's the latest uh, update on Enkedia? I I've not read anything today. Do I haven't heard anything. I'm I'm thinking that he's not going to be able to go, but I have no basis for that. I don't know if he if, if Enkedia is able to go, he's obviously going to play probably instead of Martinelli, but I I just at this point I don't think anyone really knows. Yeah. Because it was kind of a mysterious injury to begin with. We we <laughs> heard before we heard before he, he set out the uh, he set out the Leicester game that he was carrying an ankle knock, and then he came on in that game, and then came on against Everton. And you're thinking, well, maybe it wasn't a knock. Maybe that was just a nice way of taking him out. Is this an aggravation of an injury? I, I just I don't know at this point. I'm not sure. And Trossard was a groin injury, which they're saying was a precaution. But again, pass on with you here that I don't see him starting him. On Thursday night, if you've got if if it was if there was enough precaution there to bring him off, there's enough precaution not to start him on Thursday. So, what are we expecting on on Thursday night? Are we are we confident of going through? Yeah, I'm 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 confident we'll go through. I, I don't think it'll be easy though. I think they um I mean uh, beating Spurs is not exactly uh you know feather in the cap, is it? But um 
but they did beat Spurs. They were in the Champions League, so um, I don't think they were particularly bad. Um, uh, they they they're quite a good attacking unit. They they they're quite, um, and I think over there in Portugal is never going to be an easy game. Uh, but I I would expect us to go through. I mean, we we are, uh, if not the best team left in there at least one of them uh, in that uh, in that pool of teams. And uh, it is difficult to gauge how important the Europa League will be to Arteta. But judging by um, what we've seen, um, you know, if he's putting pretty strong teams in the League Cup uh, and the FA Cup, I would put this a grade up from those two. So I would think I, I I actually want us to do well in this cup. I really would like us to win it, to be honest, because of just purely because of our, our recent um, our, our lack of success in Europe. So um, I, I think we'll, we'll go through, but I don't think it's going to be a, a thrashing. I think we, we will we'll just get it through and it will probably be uh, at the Emirates that takes us through. Yeah, I think a draw there. On on Thursday would do everyone good and and remember it's a uh, it's an early kickoff it's it's twelve thirty our time five thirty UK time so, right and okay. if you hadn't noticed that it's a, it's a super early kickoff on Thursday God I'm looking forward to not playing these games next year <laughs> Oh yeah I know right. I know I know what are we what are we ahead now in um what what do we need Would you say I think we're what are we so fourth is Spurs right. If Liverpool win the Liverpool, game, I think we're Liverpool win the game now, and they go in there on goal difference. So are we fifteen ahead? We're we're pretty considerably ahead of. Oh, uh, yeah, no, we're a lot further. We're a lot further ahead than that. Give me two seconds, and I will tell you. They're so far back that I haven't even uh, I haven't even looked at that because we're fourteen ahead of United in third. Right. Okay. I'm actually I'm having a look now. Um. So yeah, yeah, you're right. So we are, um, that's... we are eighteen points in front. Of, of fourth. Wow. Right, and that yeah, and that would be even if Liverpool do win their game, it will still even be eighteen win the game, points. It's still, it's still eighteen clear uh, of fourth. Uh, well, we're and talking of about, of course, for a mathematical, it's actually fifth that you need to worry about, not fourth, because you can finish fourth and still get in the Champions League. So it's actually, yeah, that's right. But it, whichever way you look at it, it's going to be forty-five points when Liverpool win their game in hand. So yeah, eighteen eighteen points with twelve games left. So yeah, we're, so we're by the time we play much. Liverpool, providing we win the games that we think we're going to win, we're probably yeah. probably got it. Yeah, we? it's it's it, you know that's the the top four thing is mm. it would take a collapse of epic proportions to for that yeah. to come jeopardy. But yeah, so I think that's yeah. done. That said, I just can't can't wait to be out of the Europa League and back into yeah. the Champions League because let's be fair, it's been <laughs> it's been a tough few years with. With that, and, I mean, and, and also, and, and it's worth it where, where we've got to. I will take the last few years for what we're at now, you know. But absolutely, absolutely, and I, and I looked at it as well as if we, if we win the league, we're seeded in the Champions League. If we did not win the league but won the Europa, we'll be seeded as well. So that's also quite. That's why I just think winning the Europa is just a really nice bonus to have. Yeah, that <laughs> season out of Europe because because it, it's done on a rolling basis. Um, that season out of Europe could have really killed our coefficient. So if we do, if we do well in the Europa League, if we do get to the final, we do win it. That is definitely going to help, and not just next year, but in the future as well. Because I believe it's over. Is it over three years? I think your seeding is done, and obviously you don't get um, you don't get a ton of uh, you don't get a ton of points for 
for being in the Europa League, but for getting to the final, it's actually a decent amount of coefficient points that you get. So it's, it is an important thing to do. So, Jazz, are you looking forward to seeing uh, Hector? Do you know if he's starting for Porto? I, I, I don't know if he's uh, for, for, sorry, for Sporting, not Porto. Do you know um, if he's starting there? I, I'm, I don't I'm not sure. I assume he is because obviously they sold their right back to they were sold their right back to Spurs. Yeah. Um. You would you would think? Huh? Let me see if I can uh, pull up a recent game. But, yeah, it'd be uh, nice to yeah, see. It'd course. be nice to see him play, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, I think there's a a, a lot of love for Hector in the fan base, and you know, he's always been a, a really good guy and a really good, um, you know, ambassador for the club. Uh, so yeah, I look forward to seeing him and. Um, I think it'll be a good game. I think the matchup is solid. Uh, they're 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 struggling a little bit. They're in fourth in uh, the Premier Liga, which you know they're usually um, you know a title contender. They're not this this season, so um, I think it's there for us even away. But um, you know, hopefully, it's a pretty good match. Yeah, I think it will be. I don't see any any reason it any reason it wouldn't be, especially. Probably at their place more than the more than the Emirates actually because they're at least they're going to take the game to us you know and they're really gonna they're really going to uh, going to go for it because they have to they they need a win there there's no there's no two ways about it so okay guys well before we go let's uh, let's go back to the who am I so guys are you ready for this you ready for the who am I so I asked you at the start and I think like I said I think you're both going to get it. But who am I? I started my career at Sporting and made 67 league appearances. Early on in my career, I had a loan spell at Academica where I played 24 games. I moved from Sporting to Southampton where I made 120 appearances before going on loan to Inter Milan where I featured just four times. I moved to Arsenal and played 38 games before moving on loan to Fulham where I've appeared twice. Who am I? Judge, you want to answer? I I, I honestly don't know. I I'm... I feel like I should, but I'm 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 not really coming up with anybody. What what's possible? Oh, did we lose Paz? <laughs> we did lose Paz. Oh, he, he left he's me hanging it, here. But he's uh, yeah, he's connect. He's had problems with his connection, so uh, okay. I'll answer for him because he's already told me he got it. It was uh, it's Cedric. Oh man, yeah, that makes so much sense. I don't know what's what's wrong with me where I'm seeing this list of teams and <laughs> well, can't put it together, but. When I went and looked, there were only three players. Like I said, one earlier was was Luis Barmorte, Um and I thought that was just too hard with him not playing for for Sporting before he before he left there. And the other one was Hector, and obviously he, we'd have got that one instantly. So I thought this was the only one that there may be a little bit. Oh, Paz is joining us. Let's see if he's uh, let's see if Paz's audio comes back. Because if it does, I'll give him the chance to answer himself. Paz, are you with us? I am, yes. Sorry, uh, I had an go. audio uh, an okay. audio nightmare. The, the Who Am I game. I'm not going to read the whole career path again because I don't think you need it. Yes. So, Paz, who am I? Uh, is it the um, the photobomb king? Uh, <laughs> the incredible legend that is Cedric? Cedric the Entertainer. That's exactly who it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, well done. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks as ever for tonight. It's been a it's been a fun one. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one for a while, like I said. So, let's finish it there, and we will talk again after the sporting game, hopefully, and we'll preview the weekend. So, guys, good night. Have a good one.
Good evening, everyone. Good night. Good night.